Super Bowl 57 was a streaming success. I reveal the number of streamers, the quality they experienced, and which service defeated latency for the first time. Listen on to find out more. This is End Screen Noise. My name is Colin Dixon, founder and chief analyst at End Screen Media, and today is February 16th. 2023. Well, we are going to review a lot of data about the Super Bowl this week. We're going to look at the actual number of streamers, not the number reported by Fox. It was actually much, much higher than that. And I'll get into that in just a minute. And we're also going to look at the quality of the video delivered. And we're also going to talk about latency. And I can tell you there's a lot to get through. So I'm going to get on with it. But first, Are you using the trackers feature on the Endscreen Media website? Each tracker pulls together the latest data on the streaming media industry, making it very easy for you to easily grasp what's going on in a quick three-minute read. You'll find trackers for industry leaders like Netflix, Disney's D2C business, and Comcast. And I've just updated the Roku page to reflect the Q4 2023 results which were announced yesterday. You'll also find industry overviews covering the most recent data for traditional pay TV and the US TV industry. And if you'd like to sponsor the trackers feature, send an email to sales at endscreenmedia.com. Let's jump into our analysis of the streaming Super Bowl 57. So we're going to talk first about the number of streamers. According to Nielsen, 113.1 million people watched the Kansas City Chiefs edge the Philadelphia Eagles on Fox or Fox Deportes. The Fox broadcast captured an average household rating of 40 as well. So that was also much improved from last year, which was 36.9. And the number of viewers for NBCU and Telemundo was 101.1. So that's a big increase in the audience this year for the game. Digital was a big part of the delivery. Now, Fox said that digital properties delivered an average of 7 million streams, up from NBCU's 6 million last year. And they watched on all sorts of different streaming sites. There was Fox.com, the Fox Now app, NFL digital properties, including the NFL mobile app, NFL fantasy mobile, and NFL.com, and uh, several other NFL properties. But, you know, that number of 7 million, if you take that as writ, it really suggests that the streaming audience was only 6% of the total game audience. However, there are two reasons the average number of streamers delivered understates the streaming impact, and we're going to look at both. The first one is that Fox has not applied a co-viewing multiple to compensate for the fact that most people watch the game with friends and family. So that 7 million doesn't compensate for the fact that actually there's probably more than one person watching the stream. Secondly, the virtual MVPDs, they are just lumped in with traditional TV viewing numbers. Uh, These numbers, those watching on services like Sling TV, Hulu Live and YouTube TV should be included in the total number of streamers. So I'm going to do that and I'm going to tell you what the real number of streaming viewers was. First of all, let's talk a little bit about this co-viewing multiple. 
Seven years ago, it really looked like watching TV with others was going out of style. Uh, and wide distribution of connected devices and availability of SVOD services caused a big increase in solo viewing. I was looking at some Nielsen numbers that said only 34% of viewing events on a Roku back in 2015 involved two or more viewers. And by 2020, about half of SVOD viewing events were with another person. So over that five years, it didn't get less. It increased. It grew much more. Uh, but the Super Bowl is really a special event with most people, I think, watching with another person. Not many people watch it on their own. This fact led NBCU last year to multiply its 6 million unique streamers by 1.9. And it claimed its streaming audience was 11.8 million viewers. Uh, given the, the, the Nielsen data, this co-viewing number, I don't think is unreasonable. And I'm going to apply it to Fox's 7 million. So Fox's 7 million streams equates to 13.1 million streaming viewers. So that's the first thing that we're going we're gonna to take into account. Now, let's talk about the virtual MVPTs. My estimate shows that there are about 14.5 million virtual MVPT subscribers in the US, but not all of them had access to the Super Bowl. Philo, for example, which I think has about a million subscribers, they really don't report them, but that's what I've seen reported in the press. Philo subscribers, they couldn't watch it all because Philo doesn't carry sports and actually it doesn't carry local TV and news and a whole bunch of other stuff. It really focuses on entertainment. Sling TV as well only carries 18 Fox affiliates covering about 43 million people. So if we eliminate Philo subs and the Sling TV subs that don't have access to a Fox affiliate that, could, that were able to watch, we end up with about 11.7 million virtual, uh, virtual MVPD subscribers with game access, as opposed to the 14.5 million virtual MVPD subscribers overall. Virtual MV, MVPDs likely delivered the same audience share as Fox, and I mentioned that that, that was a 40% share. So that means that about 4.7 million of the 11.7 million with access actually tuned into the game. And if we apply the same co-viewing multiple we used above, that's that 1.9 number, virtual MVPDs contributed 8.7 million to the viewing audience. So the total number, if we add 8.7 million virtual MVPD viewers, and 13.1 million from Fox and other TV sites, the total number of streaming viewers for the Super Bowl 57 was about 22 million. Now, since the total audience claimed by Fox is 113 million, 19% watched a streamed version of the game. Uh, and this is a pretty good increase from last year. My last last year, my estimate was 17.9 million viewed the game via a streaming service, which was equivalent to about a 16% share of the total audience. So good growth there for the streaming Super Bowl over the last year. 
Okay, let's talk about quality. And I partnered with SimWave to figure out the quality of many of the services that we are using to stream the Super Bowl. Now, the SimWave, com SimWave has come up with the SimWave video score, which scores the video quality a viewer would experience on a scale of zero to 100. Most viewers would find video with a score of 85 good quality and uh, 30. Well, boy, you would know you were watching a pretty bad quality video if that was the quality measure that was being provided. And most people would notice a difference in the video quality of, um, well, certainly of five. They'd easily notice the difference in quality of five between services. Okay, so I was working with SimWave on this quality measure and they were uh, they actually measured seven services, six streaming providers and one cable TV operator from two locations, one in Canada and one in the US. And their quality scores were actually very consistent across the two locations. They found the cable prov provider scored an average of 79, which is quite a bit below that a good quality mark of 85. And in general, the streaming services scored slightly, slightly lower when SimWave evaluated their quality for the World Cup in December 2022. I partnered with SimWave um, last year to measure the quality of the World Cup. And uh, it looks like the streaming Super Bowl, they did slightly worse. So what was its results? It found two streaming providers were higher quality and two were lower than cable TV quality. Uh, most people would find these top five providers acceptable quality if viewed side by side, but would be able to tell the difference uh, between them. And as I say, a five point difference in quality will be obvious to most viewers. Interestingly, two of the services tested provided 4K streams. And one scored 83.3 and the other scored 78.4. So, boy, if you were using the lower scoring, you would definitely know that that was lower quality than the higher scoring 4K provider. The small difference from cable TV's HD quality also is very disappointing. Remember, cable TV was delivering 79. One 4K provider was actually slightly below that. So if you were paying extra for 4K for the Super Bowl, likely you may not have been getting really good value for money. So uh, that's that's really disappointing there. Now, two of the providers were much lower quality than cable TV, scoring 72 and 73. And this, if you were looking at this, you definitely would have known that you were watching something that wasn't as nearly as high quality. So uh, that's disappointing. Now, unfortunately, SimWave was not able to release the names of each of the services that they were using there. My qualitative picture quality comparison, well, I compared over-the-air TV, YouTube TV, and Fox Sports. And I've got to tell you, Fox Sports gets the edge definitely from my evaluation. It was slightly better quality than over-the-air TV. Yes, that's what I said. It appeared to me to be slightly better quality than over-the-air TV. And YouTube TV seemed to be slightly worse. And the way I could really see this was looking at the grass detail and the edge sharpness of the players. And that's where the differences I saw were most apparent. 
but I've got to say, that said, I was pretty happy watching the game on all three services. And you know, when that game got really interesting, it didn't matter which service I was watching. I was totally paying attention to the game and not worrying about the video quality. Um, but there was one exception. I've noticed that streaming services generally do not deal well with confetti. And I bet you noticed this as well. If you watched the, the end of the game when they shot the confetti bombs and it was pretty bad. I have a picture on my website of what, of what I saw through YouTube TV rendering the confetti at the end of the game. But I've looked at other services and uh, boy... That confetti certainly seems to confuse the encoders that the uh, virtual, virtual MVPDs and streamers are using to stream the game. Uh, so anyway, go check out that picture that I've included with this posting on my website to see just how bad that confetti, that confetti can be. Let's talk latency. So I tested the Fox Sports app and the YouTube TV performance and what I found was that they were pretty consistent throughout the game. In each quarter, I restarted the app and then started the and then started the game. So I got readings for start times and latency. And in all four quarters, those start times and latency, they were pretty much the same. They pretty much remained static throughout the game. So here's what I found. First of all, Fox Sports latency was the lowest I have ever seen for a Super Bowl. Uh, this was actually pretty incredible. In fact, I had to double check and triple check this because I was so uh, shocked that they'd done this. The app on the mobile network that's on T-Mobile's mobile network streaming to my Pixel 6a was at worst four seconds behind the over-the-air local Fox broadcast channel. And actually, in the latter part of the game, I got latency of just over a second. So it actually did better later in the game versus the over-the-air feed. Stream start times were also excellent on my broadband network for Fox Sports, averaging two to three seconds on my PC and TV. So really, Fox Sports, if, if you wanted to watch the streaming Super Bowl, I think Fox Sports was definitely the way to, way to go. Great quality, quick start times, and extremely low latency. So that was definitely the way to go. The only one note there, um, on my mobile network, start times were really horrible. It took about 40 seconds for the Fox app to get started. YouTube TV latency was consistently in the 38 to 42 second range throughout the game, whether I measured it on my browser, on a PC, or on the app in my TV. And the performance is disappointing as the latency was basically the same as last year's Super Bowl. Start times were good, averaging around four seconds from when I selected the channel from the grid guide. So that was all to the good, felt just like actually changing the channel on regular TV. So I also looked at what others found for latency. Uh, first, the streamable. Well, the streamable absolutely agrees with me on Fox Sports. It saw a one second delay for Fox Sports behind the over-the-air broadcast. And it found even longer delays for the virtual MVPDs. They tested Fubo, Hulu Live, Sling TV, and YouTube. And they were all in the range 52 to 56 seconds. 
And Phoenix, now Phoenix is a, a provider of live streaming solutions. So I guess you've got to say they're not exactly neutral, but they did multiple readings from multiple sites in the US. And uh, certainly they agreed with um, my numbers and the streamable numbers about uh, YouTube TV and uh, that those delays were very similar. They said 54 seconds for YouTube TV. Hulu was almost 70 seconds they measured but they did differ quite a lot for Fox Sports they said it was 23.7 seconds or about 24 seconds now there was a difference between how Phoenix was measuring versus how the streamable and I was measuring we were measuring behind OTA they were measuring between the actual stadium what was going on in the stadium and remember there is a seven second delay that's inserted on the broadcast that came about because of the famous Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction in 2004's Super, Super Bowl halftime show. So that explains, I think, why some of their numbers are a little bit longer. But I really can't explain the Fox number at 24 seconds. It doesn't agree with me. doesn't agree with the streamable. And I also checked with um, my quality partner, SimWave, and they said that they saw the delays behind OTA that I did, one second or below one second. Uh, Fox and, and certainly Phoenix seems to suggest that they saw a much longer delay, a 14 second delay behind over the year. So what can we take away from all of this latency data? Well, the data is kind of all over the place, but there are some solid conclusions I think we can come to here first. Virtual MVPD live sports delays are considerable and remain really problematic. Second, Fox Sports latency was phenomenal and fixed one of the biggest problems with live streaming, and that is spoilers, you know, where somebody who's watching on over the air or on cable sees the touchdown before you do and tweets about it or something and you see it on your feed before you actually see the thing occur in your stream so definitely Fox Sports fixed that problem and the latency you see depends on where you are what service you use and when you started the stream uh, so that's why I think we see such a lot of variability and I do plan on reaching out to Phoenix and some other live providers to get their perspective on why there's so much difference here going on with uh, latency numbers. Okay, so there you have it. I think a very successful streaming Super Bowl this year. Uh, and if you would like a rough transcript of this podcast, stop by the Endscreen Media website and drop in on the analysis tab. And while you're there, why don't you check out my posting on the overall quality of the stream Super Bowl. There's a lot more detail there. And there's also a link to a fascinating document that SimWave put out, um, my partner on the quality discussion, with a lot more detail and a lot more diagrams, a lot more diagrams for you to look at. And uh, while you're there, why don't you sign up for the Endscreen Media newsletter? It's free, it's daily, it's weekly, and gets this great analysis in your inbox every day. This has been Colin Dixon. I'll see you again next time. This podcast is a production of Endscreen Media, all rights reserved.